how to go from coming in last to finishing first, why you have to have skin in the game in order to be successful, how to appropriately respond to failure, how to overcome the victim mentality, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, one, five, with Olympic gold medalist, Scott Hamilton. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Last week, I shared with you the first of two Olympic gold medalists that I've interviewed and had on the show before, and he was Mitch Gaylord. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I'd highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. But today, I'm bringing you on the legendary Olympic figure skater, Scott Hamilton. I was super blessed that Scott was actually one of my earliest interviews from when I first started the podcast almost three years ago now. Scott is the most well-recognized male figure skater in the entire world, and he was a gold medalist in the 1984 Olympic Games in Sarajevo. Scott is a cancer survivor, a survivor of three brain tumors, and is a loving husband and father of four. Before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever it is that you listen and watch. And be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. Just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And also make sure that you're following me and Scott on Instagram at carrier underscore best you and at scotthamilton84. But without further ado, let's get right into the episode so you can get closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Scott Hamilton. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I got the most recognized uh, male figure skater in the world with me today, the legendary uh, Scott Hamilton. I'm pumped to have him here with me today. I appreciate you coming no, in, Scott. Nice. It's great. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when I was doing my research for you, I was reading um, some articles, watching some videos on YouTube, and I watched a more recent one on that you were talking about your book, Finish First, and in your interview, they were asking you about kind of what the book is about, and you said, well, you know, it's really about how to become your best self, and right when I read, or right when I heard that, I was like, <laughs> like this is going to be- Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be perfect, and yeah. that was like a couple of days ago, and I went out and bought it, and I read it in two days, and I never read a book quicker- uh, then well, I it's did an easy book one. to read. <laughs> well, when it you, is. When you're telling somebody to kind of get to work and, and to work it out and just to start banging out, because nothing replaces work, yeah. nothing. Um, it's like, why would I want somebody to read like Atlas Shrugged, yeah, you know, right. if, if you want to get going? And so basically it's just an igniter. Mm. You know, let's, here it is. Go. Yeah. You know, go, get get going, get to work, get, you know, find it, work it out. What's what's your calling? What is your purpose? What is your skill sets? What right. are your what do you have to offer? And then just taking it from there. So are you discrediting it how quick I read it? No, no, no. <laughs> no, just I, no the the create um I was doing a skate to eliminate cancer event in uh, Arkansas and I'm, we were giving the you know books out as kind of um, prizes for you know some of the bigger fundraisers. And one of the dads got the book that his daughter had won. And, um, in the time it was about a three hour show, he goes, I'm almost done. I like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> That's great. Hilarious. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, it's just an easy read and, um, you know, it's very specific and it's, and it's just nothing replaces putting the time in. Mm. Yeah. You know, no every, everything takes time. Yeah. And it, the more, you know, the more you, you plan, the more you, um, really look at, uh, you know, all the, the factors and all, you know, just do an accounting of skill sets and, um, what brings you pleasure and all those things that sort of make you, you, mm-hmm. then it turns into, okay, now how do I leverage all of that into creating a life for myself that, mm-hmm. 
is basically organically what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I, I was going to start with somewhere a little bit different, but since you brought up the the idea that it takes a lot of time and you kind of talked about that, um, I forget what the name of the chapter was called, but taking a lot of time and a lot of people nowadays- Commit to the long haul. Commit to the long haul. Yeah. You know, it's like people right now in my generation- want things now. And well, because everything is now. Everything right. is instant gratification. The, you know, this podcast is instantly um, uh, available to anybody that wants to have yeah. it. Instant, and then, you know, information's instant. Um, interconnectivity is instant. And it's all virtual because nobody really ever just sits and talks to anybody anymore. That's always through a device. Mm. And when I look at, um, you know, just the screen addiction, and, you know, my, my kids and their friends, it's just like, what, where, what are we setting up? What, what's the result of all of this? Mm. And it's kind of frightening, yeah. you know, because it's way better to sit and just talk to somebody oh, yeah, no and, doubt. and learn about them and, and in that way grow than it is just to be staring at a device. And, and, you know, uh, again, you know, it's, I, when I really start off my finished first speech that I give, it's, I, I tell, a, you know, kind of the typical grumpy old man story about, you know, um, when I was, I was growing up, I had it tougher than everybody, you know, <laughs> right. and I, it's not that at all. It's basically, no, I'm not, it's not a grumpy old man thing. It's just making observations of how are we going to handle relationships? How are we going to handle, you know, the parentheses, which is born on this date and, you know, left the planet on this date. Uh, what what's going to be the dash and, and and in the dash it's like huh is it does it all have to be instant gratification right. or is there anything there that becomes life's work right so to, talking to that in our generation how would you talk to somebody like us who wants that destination now wants that end product now and how would you tell us to like enjoy the journey enjoy the 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 process of working hard towards what you want to achieve and what you want to get to. Well, there's so many examples of it. it it's like um, if you want to build a well in Haiti, okay, here's here's the poorest country in in the Western Hemisphere, mm -hmm. right? It was the poorest country in the world, um, but here's here's the deal: you get a group of people together around a place where you can actually build a well, right? Dig a well, mm -hmm. and you say, "I need all of you to come up with some money to buy the well." You don't need for them to do that. But until they take ownership, they're never going to maintain it. Mm -hmm. They're never going to appreciate it. Unless there's some skin in the game, mm. it's disposable, right? So the idea of instant gratification is, wow, that's really great. It's like, bam, bam, bam. I get to experience a lot of things. It's here. It's now. It's there. It's there. But it's gone as soon as it arrives, Okay, right? So in order for anything to truly be worthwhile it's it's almost like you gotta you gotta put some time into yeah. it and you've gotta there's gotta be a level of commitment to it there's gotta be skin in the game if there isn't any skin in the game then it goes away as quickly as it comes then it's not satisfying at all the harder you work for something the the more time you put into something i don't like the idea of hard work and de and determination and sacrifice those are all buzzwords that make me kind of run for the hills it's mm -hmm. more about commitment you're committed to doing something and it's repetition. Yeah. Like you're in fitness. Mm -hmm. Like if you want it, like tomorrow, I want to be a bodybuilder. 
tomorrow. Yeah, it's like, no. No, right. But I mean, that's the same process as anything, right? Mm -hmm. right? If you're going to build your body, if you're going to build your mind, if you're going to build your skill sets, if you're going to build your reputation, if you're going to build your credibility, if you're going to build anything that allows you to be successful, it's not going to be picking up the phone and doing a Google search. Right. Ever, ever. I mean, that's great if you're trying to like, oh man, I can't think of what, what are the seven wonders of the world? I, I can think of four. Right. You know, what are the other three? Oh, pick up your phone. But if, it, if you're going to manage your whole life that way, right. it's going to be very unsatisfying, ultimately extremely lonely. And then what? Then what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Because it, what you get out of it is exactly what you put into it. Yeah. You know, and you know, the, the long play, the long... Uh, the long haul, um, the the commitment, that's where success comes from. That's awesome. I think that's super important to be able to, I think it's not even necessarily like people have to do anything, any, anyone of my generation has to do anything in, in particular, but it's like a mindset change. It's like they just kind of need to hear that over and over again until they can do something that they realize it took all the long haul and how, sad, how satisfying that was in the end. So I think it takes doing it to realizing it to well, certain you know, extent. And I always say the pendulum swings both ways, mm -hmm. right? You know, it's like, we got this. Oh my goodness. That, that wasn't what we thought it was. Let's go back over here. And the pendulum <laughs> swings the other way. Well, that wasn't really what I got. Yeah. And that joy is somewhere in the middle, right? But it passes. It passes both ways. You know, it, it swings to the left. It swings to the right. And and the joy is somewhere in the middle. That's right. where you live is somewhere in the middle. And, and That's a good way to think about it. And that's, I've heard that before. Yeah, but it, it's just, you know, it, everything right now is is instant information. Let's get it. Let's get more, more, more now, 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 now. And then pretty soon people are going to slam on the brakes and say, that really stunk. That was the worst thing ever. Yeah. And how, first thing first, you got to get over your addiction to, you know, the dopamine that's created when you throw up something on social media and you wait for somebody to like it. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, whew. and then you go to the next part of it, which is what will give me lasting joy. Yeah. And, you know, for, for everyone, um, it's going to come in a different box. Yeah. No two you know? stories are going to be the same. No two stories are going to be. Because, you know, there's been 100 billion people born to this planet since day one. Yeah. How many are alike? How many right. are the same, I should say? A lot of people are alike, but how many are identical? Mm -hmm. No. So we, we've got our, this is our journey. And it's a journey. Journeys don't you know, begin and end in, in a kilobyte, you know, it's right. like, it goes experiential, it's relationship, it's, um, it's intellectual, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. I mean, there's so many facets to living a, um, quality life that, and it's, it, there's always going to be stumbling blocks. There's always going to be, um, disappointments. There's always going to be, and, and it's almost like there, there's a generation now, and that's kind of what finished first, you know, my book is all about is it's, it's kind of like we're, we're missing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's all about, you know, we, we're not allowed to, um, we don't, you know, and a lot of it, I call lazy parenting, but it's, it's like, 
I want, you know, if I put my child in a sport, I want them to come away with something in the form of a trophy right. or a moment. You know, it's like, no, they're coming away with feedback and an experience right. of where am I and how do I fit into all this? And well, I think that's I think that's awesome way to that's awesome way to put it. And I read I read a lot about that in your in your book, but I think when you just said it, like coming in a way with an experience, you don't need something tangible no. to come away with. That, no. That's just feeding the more like you need something instantly to be able to be satisfied. And that's just setting you up for failure kind no, of No, because you, and you expect everything to happen that way. Right. Yeah. You know, and I honestly, you know, my my whole platform and my life and, and the success that I've been able to enjoy, you know, in those times came out of failure. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't felt that failure, if I hadn't have understood that failure, if I hadn't have processed that failure, I'd never be able mm-hmm. to move forward. I'd never know what success felt like. Yeah. So that's something I wanted, I definitely wanted to talk to you about, about failure, because you hear that all the time. People are like, learn, uh, fail quicker, fail harder, that kind of thing, like learn from your failure. But I think it's a lot, it's very hard for somebody to be like, look forward to failure. Like I want to fail. So what I want to ask you is I want to bring up a quote that you had in your book um, that I really liked. And it said, the pattern of losing can be broken but not without a serious shift in mentality and focus. Without the right train of thought, you are doomed to be stuck in your losing pattern forever. So what's that mentality shift look like and what's the right way to lose or the right way to fail? Well, I mean, you know, the right way that, you know, when you say the right way to fail, it's like, well, that's in your planning. Well, right. There, there's some homework that comes with. I guess know. it's the, what's the best, what, how do you respond to failure? Well, that's it. Then? You know, and for me, it's like, um, you know, you answering the first question first is how do you break that pattern? It's like, I was a habitual loser. I I would do well kind of regionally, like in my own little neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And then the second I kind of stepped out of my little neck of the woods, it would be like, Ooh, these guys are really good. (laughs) And they're really better than me. And they're going to, okay, this one's going to hurt, you know? And, and I would just, you know, I, I, I'd stink, you know, I, I would have a hard time, you know, uh, delivering the goods. And a lot of it, it was, I, I just had to take a, take stock of how am I preparing? Mm. What is my role in this? How, you know, am I getting the right information? Oh, and if I am, am I applying that information towards a better result? Mm. That's where it was. Yeah. I would show up. I, you know, I, it's okay. I'm supposed to be on the ice from eight to eight fifty doing compulsory figures. Okay. So I get on the ice at eight ten, eight twelve. Um, you know, kind of meander around a little bit, maybe kind of draw something with my compass, you know, my scribe, the circle that I need to trace and maybe, um, you know, look around a little bit and, and then I, you know, I go, I got freestyle at, uh, at, at eight fifty. maybe I better just get off five minutes early and get my freestyle skates on. Cause I like that more. Yeah. So basically in a 50 minute session, I might've gotten 20 minutes of actual time in. Right. And there's a reason it's 50 minutes and not 20 minutes. It's because in 50 minutes, you can get the work done in 20 minutes. You're not doing anything right. It's just sort of ceremonial. So I had to kind of look at it as like, okay, I'm not, I'm here, but I'm not here. Okay. I'm here, but I'm not present. Yeah. I'm, I'm spending time on the ice, but I'm not investing in that time or I'm not really getting what I should be getting out of that time. And there's a shift. It's like, now I'm going to show up with, an intention to improve my situation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a whole different mindset. Yeah. Is it one thing being in there? It's like being in a class and you kind of like listen for a little bit and check your watch, you know, point your phone, kind of do some stuff. And right. then by the end of the lesson, it's like, okay, I, I was here. Yeah. 
I don't know what we talked about today, yeah. but I was here. And it's the same thing, you know, with work. You know, a lot of people show up at like 8.59. They grab a cup of coffee. They talk to their coworkers. They answer people. And they're like, oh, my goodness, it's 5 o'clock already. <laughs> Am I any further along? No. no. Well, what if you showed up with, okay, here's my arc. Here's here's kind of what I want. Here's the promotion I want. Or here's the, here's the success. Here, this is what I want to accomplish in my time here. If I'm going to take a check, I might as well have some value, right? Mm -hmm. So here's my game plan. Here's here's the my new paradigm for success. Now now that time that you're there takes on a little bit more of a intentionality, yeah. right? And so it's it's about that. It's about investing the time properly in order to come to a better result. Mm -hmm. And and that's I wasn't doing that, and I was okay. and and my results. What did of, it take you to realize that you weren't doing that? Coming in last, okay, you know, losing miserably, mm -hmm. um, being embarrassed, you know. So you lost, and you were like, "Okay, something's not wrong. I'm showing up, but I'm not really showing up as 100 percent there." Well, it's like, okay, last place, you can, you know, you can cry in your, you know, your soup for a while, and then you can go, "Oh, what was me? I came in last," and then you go right back to what doing what you're doing before. But then there's this thing like my the nationals, my first nationals I ever was able to compete in. I, you know, there was 17,000 people in the audience and I wasn't prepared for that. And I, mean, I was so nervous. I couldn't feel my legs. I fell five times, came in dead last. That's humiliating. Yeah. So I'm at a party and I'm 14 years old. I mean, there's no, you know, another kid my age, he's actually a year older. We're, we're at this um, celebration party for uh, Gordy McKellen, who was the national champion, the champion men's national champion that yeah. year. And, you know, there was a, you know, it was big, you know, spread of food and, and drink choices and everything. And this friend of mine goes, Hey, go grab me a beer. And it's like, Hey, go get me a beer. It's like, what do you mean? Hey, go get it's right there. Get it yourself. Right. And he said, no, I have something to lose. You don't. Mm. So now I'm having to be faced with a situation where my peers don't value me at all. Yeah. And, and that's the striking thing. It's like, I'm a loser and I'm being looked upon as a loser. Right. And I, I, that didn't, that didn't compute to me. It's mm. like, but I was, I mean, every, everything about my situation was I'm a loser. I didn't want to label myself, but it's like, that's how other people so look at So it's like now me. there's got, there's something that needs to shift. There's, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to work harder. It didn't, it didn't create a better result, but then okay, I'm going to work harder. And then, maybe a little bit better. And then it's like, well, I'm going to go all in yeah. just this one year mm -hmm. just to figure out what, what am I missing by all this? And so I went from ninth out of nine to ninth out of 10, the guy that came in 10 shouldn't have been there. Um, <laughs> then all of a sudden I went seventh out of nine. Like I beat two guys. Right. So now my chest is sticking out like, right. wow, there were still six guys in front of me. Right. right? And I'm thinking, Wow. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm really not that good. You know, I'm looking okay. up all these other guys and it's like, they're really, man, there's something different about them. What is it? And then my mom was diagnosed with cancer. She, um, told me that basically my family is broke on uh, it. Skating is, can be very expensive depending on, you know, lessons and all the other stuff that goes with it, travel. And, and she said, we can keep you in skating one more year, make it count. So I, I went back to where I was training. My my coach had retired and I had a new coach that was a little bit more driven, hungry, um, tough. Okay. And I go, well, I got one year left. I might as well go all in. 
So do you think it was the combination of having that coach who was a little bit more tough and having that like sense of urgency of this is the year and I need to make it count? It was almost a sense of surrender. Like it, mm-hmm. it almost, it's almost like you have to go out of your way not to do it right. Like you've got to, you've got to be able to be inviting in all these distractions right. and, and all these other things that pull you away from your plan. Mm-hmm. And so I just, oh, okay, I'll submit. I submitted. I just say, I'm, I'll be on, I'm on the ice eight o'clock. I get off at 8.50. I change my skates as fast as I can. I get back on the ice for freestyle. I work it. I do complete run no questions asked. from start to finish instead of looking like I'm doing a run through where I take a 30 second break in right. the middle and I go back to it rested. I'm not prepared for competition if I train that way. Mm-hmm. So I go, okay, I'll go all in. So I went all in. I trained. I, I was a first one on, last one off. I did run throughs every day. I started doing other, you know, really trying to push at rotating jumps. And um, I, you know, I, I worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. Yeah. I just, it wasn't work. It was, I committed a higher level than I've ever committed in my life. Okay. I don't like that hard work thing. It's kind of like. Yeah, no, negative. I know what you mean. So um, I won junior nationals. Yeah. I won. I came in first. Right. And it was like, <laughs> wow. So that year that was supposed to be my last year in competition turned into I win junior nationals and all of a sudden now someone wants to coach me who has a sponsor in their hip pocket. Right. So now I get a second life in skating only because Because I, I committed a level that gave me the opportunity to be successful. Mm -hmm. All right. Now what? Right. So I go back to my losing ways. I'm 18 sponsored and I have my own apartment. Yeah. Recipe for disaster, right? Because I wasn't prepared for any of that. And I went back to nationals that year, my first year on the senior level, and I came in ninth, back to ninth place. Jeez. Oh, and um, so, what what is that fall like? I mean, that had to just kind of well got he, at you. Here's the worst thing. All right, so you you got this like back to wearing the L on your forehead, right? And and it, it's hard. The problem that made that one the worst defeat or the worst failure ever was um, my mother who was the center of my universe who sacrificed everything, her own comfort, her own everything, her old, she leveraged her entire life to put me into skating. And that was how I responded. And after that competition, she lost her battle to cancer and she never saw me skate again. Mm. That was it. And she, her whole life, all she wanted me to do is be a, a a skater that would someday go to the Olympics. And I was like, I'm a loser. I, I did it again. I mean, I, I, I didn't prepare right. I was 18. I was partying. I was, oh, I had all these friends, right? Air right. quotes, friends, mm-hmm. right? And they were pulling me away from my my plan. So I I went for, the morning I lost my mom, you know, again, she was the center of my universe. I just went for a walk and I just decided in that walk that um, I had to honor her. And the only way to honor her was to be, um, to take her with me wherever I went, to be accountable to her and accountable to her sacrifice and accountable to all the stuff that she denied herself in order for me to have this opportunity that was going to drive me. And so I went in that decision. Um, the next year I was third in the country, 11th in the world. And then two years later, I'm competing at the Olympics mm-hmm. where I come in fifth in yeah. Lake Placid. And then um, a, a couple months after Lake Placid, I you know I get up one morning and I came to the realization that I'm fifth in the world, and the top three guys retired. Yeah, I've been number two. Yeah, I'm I'm second in the world, and all I needed to do was wake up. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty good promotion. Yeah. 
But then I thought, well, what do I have to do in order to be first? And it was, I, I had to be strong where I was weak. And that was compulsory figures. Okay. I just hated them because they were boring. Mm -hmm. I did them. But it wasn't until the possibility of now I've got a carrot. Yeah. And the carrot's gold. It's made, And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So the year that I came in last in Novice Men was the year that this guy that I had to now beat came in third in senior men, championship mm -hmm. men at 12 years old. And why did he come in third when I was coming in last? Because he was a brilliant compulsory figure skater. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. Crap, now I have to actually no, work no, on this. It's, but it's like, that's be strong where you're weak. Yeah. And I, my kids, I tell them all the time, I go, what is the greatest strength? And they always roll their eyes and they go, a lack of weakness. It's like, well, figure out where you're weak. So did you almost see that as like, as a good thing? Like there's some place that I know that I need to get better. And it's so I don't even have to figure it out. It's like, this is where I need to get better. I can just attack that and go after it. Yeah. But it's like, how do I get better? Am I naturally gifted at figures? Okay. Not so much. Am I, um, is, is there something about it that really appeals to me that makes me want to do them? Uh, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I didn't like them. Yeah. I just didn't. And then, you know, I, I started working with my coach on them and, he, and, and because I was at that level where now I'm competing at the world level and I'm like, you know, I'm, I look like I'm on a nice, uh, sentence to, to medal the next Olympics. Instead of having a patch or like a little strip of ice, I had half the ice to work on my figures. Mm. And it became this thing where I now could put myself in kind of that fantasy position of I'm in competition and I would allow myself to compete every day and I could see where I was failing. Yeah. And then pretty soon you start to make it a game. It's like uh, I was in my, my, my uh, tracings. Cause when you leave a mark on the ice, it's a tracing. And now you're doing compulsory figures on ice without any markings and you got to do eight foot circles perfectly lined up on an axis mm -hmm. where they're traced within an inch. Okay. Right. Yeah. So now it becomes like this, it's almost like a test of wills. Yeah. Am I going to be able to, to do this? How about if I do it with not just um, within an inch, how about I do it within a half an inch? Yeah. How about if I try to get in on the same line? Mm -hmm. How about if I try to, you know, and also- So is that what fueled you or kind of kept you motivated? Like I can see the result here. I can see the result and I'm getting a little bit better, but what if I get a little bit better? Yeah. And so it became a game. Yeah. And um, it was so funny by the time, you know, that Worlds came around, um, I was uh, like- I guess, where was I? I guess I was like third or fourth in figures or fifth or something like that. But I had the, um, my freestyle skills were really strong. Mm -hmm. So at nationals, I came in second figures mm -hmm. and I, I could easily pull up, you yeah. know? You know, it's, it's something I want to stop you real quick because I just had a, a thought when you, you know, we said that being able to see the improvement or being able to see how you're going along through the process kind of motivates you. Because I think success is one of the biggest motivator that we have. And you kind of talked about this in your book with a lot of things in life, try to find a way to make it a game. Mm -hmm. Because if you make it a game, then yeah. you can find kind of steps along the journey or like practices along the journey that you can succeed at. And then when you succeed, then you get a little bit more motivation. That success fires you up to keep moving a little bit further. And I think a lot of people don't really set that aim or set that game for themselves. And because they don't see any progress on the way, because they don't have the rules to it, then they don't see that they're improving and they they don't stay motivated to keep going. And again, it's like um, 
anything else, it, it's like, you know, can you see grass grow? Right. Well, sometimes, you know, doing, building the skill sets is like, you know, you, grass growing mm -hmm. or like water freezing or boiling. It's like, they always say the watch pot never boils. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, if you ever sit there and want to boil water, if you stare at it, it takes forever. Yeah. If you step away for a second, you come back, it's like, whoa, it's, yeah. you know, it's everywhere. But <laughs> it, you know, it, you know, we, we all are, have trained ourselves to kind of feel like it needs to be instant and and there's a lot of it that you just have to know where to look for those improvements yeah. it's like no i think it's and and a lot of them true. are invisible you know it's mm -hmm. you know you'll a lot of the people i knew back you know kind of in those days where i was coming in dead last you know they they see me now and you know it's like that old joe walsh line and life's been good it's like everybody's so different i haven't changed mm -hmm. and it is people look at me differently now and they i don't feel any different i just put the time in you yeah. know and and i i realized that you know i put the time in i saw i saw you know an arc where i could be successful so that first year i was second at nationals and um I ended up first overall. And then I went to Worlds that year. I was third after the short program. And then I won the world championship. And then I freaked out thinking that, oh my goodness, now the pressure's on. It's like, I'm the world champion, like three years before the Olympics. It's either I've got to up my game to be worthy of this title or the sport is in its worst place in history. Mm. Right. And that's the mindset. So I drove myself insane. Oh gosh. Insane. Because yeah. I figured that I just, I, I hit at the peak that I'm at the, I'm the world champion in figure skating out of all these last place finishes. Now I'm up here. It's like, how do I maintain this? Yeah. Why did, why did you think that you weren't kind of not necessarily not worthy of the number one spot, but why did you think that the game must've been in the worst or the, the competition must have been in the worst place possible if you were the number one. Why did you think you thought that? We're gonna take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your, in your weekly routine or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10 week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And that'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough from me. I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out, but never really had a fitness goal. If anything, I really wanted to achieve. It was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program, with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal, and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so 
that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. Because I knew where I'd been. Okay. You know, I knew it's like, I I was the guy that was a habitual loser, the mm -hmm. guy that didn't know how to train, the guy that was unworthy of everything, you know? And so now I'm the world champion. I'm, I'm at the peak of the sport and it's like, whoa, that, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. I, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm worthy of this. And I think a lot of people go through that when, um, you know, you hear the stories of people that become like an actor that finally breaks through and becomes famous. And it's like the worst thing that ever happened to him because mm -hmm. now all the demons start coming out, yeah. you know, or um, somebody wins a lottery, you know, they lived in a very humble, you know, and, and, and they were happy and then they win the lottery and they have, you know, millions of dollars mm -hmm. and then their lives just unravel. It's like, we're built more for challenge than we are for success. Mm -hmm. You know, I really believe that. Yeah. And so, you know, I had to work it out. And so my coach, he, he, he was brilliant. He kind of walked me through it very gently and very, you know, he was very empathetic. And he, if I felt like I can't train here today, it's just, it's, I, the, the, I don't feel right here. I need to go somewhere else. He'd say, okay, let's go somewhere else. He was really, um, he was very thoughtful in that way yeah. because I, I, I felt like I didn't belong. I didn't want people watching me because now there's more eyes on me than ever. And I just wanted to go someplace in solitude. And so yeah. we found a rink that was abandoned. We'd skate there, you know? And then I got to the worlds the next year and I was still kind of a mess, but, um, I won worlds the next year again. And, um, I won an international competition actually in November that I was still a psycho mess. And I like, I was skating horribly in practice and this Russian kid was doing everything that I've never even seen a human being do before. I thought he was like a lab rat or something. It's like, where did this guy come from? He's right. like, it's impossible what he's doing. And then he, he made a couple of mistakes at the end of his program. And then I went out to skate and it just went just like that shunk. You know, it's like where all the noise of the world just sort of went away. And I just went into this lane where I went into the first jump and it's like, what got you to that lane? I just surrendered. I said, um, you know, I just got to take what the ice gives me, mm. you know? And, and so I ended up skating better than I skated like all year, won that. And then I won nationals, then I won worlds. And at, when I'm standing up in the world podium, I wasn't standing up there as this, like, you know, this world champion. Well, wow, look at this. I'm this and that, or that, you know, this, I, I didn't give the image of the title, you know, to be this overwhelming thing anymore. By then I'd gotten to the point of, I'm just competing, but, you know, against these guys, Yeah, they're all just guys. Mm -hmm. And I know these guys, I, you know, I know them forever and I'm just beating guys. It's not like I'm this world champion. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's a competition against Once you kind of like dumb it down a little bit. No, but it wasn't, it was almost, it was making it real. Right. Okay. Like I was making it more. So much bigger. Yeah. 
But when it just came down to it, it's just guys. And it's like for anybody that wants to accomplish anything, for anybody that wants, it's like, it's guys. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean make it bigger than it is because it's it's huge winning the world championship. But I think it's like, like you said, just kind of make it real. It's real. And don't, don't kind of think that anything is outside of your reach. Like we're all just people going after the same thing. Right. And, and once I realized that it's just a human pursuit instead of a superhuman pursuit mm-hmm. or, you uh, know, it, it, then it became like, oh, all you have to do is stay ahead of these guys yeah. <laughs> for the and, next two years. And if I can stay ahead of these, what's well, going to take figures, yeah. figures. Mm-hmm. So by the time I got to the Olympics, I won the next year. So I hadn't lost competition in two and a half years. Um, so I was three time world champion. And then I go into the Olympic year and it was just like, man, that the whole thing just sort of crushes you because you have Sports Illustrated showing up and just right. sort of camping out in the ring, taking pictures of you every day. And it's like, okay, it's different. And then you have all these media requests and all these different things, and it's just different. And then you go to you know a competition where it's just these guys. But every time I walked out of my room in the Olympic Village, I'd run into a reporter. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah you're stalking. And it, it was just like, you know, what does it feel to know that you haven't lost a competition in three years and now you're at the Olympics and if you lose, it's a failure. What does that feel like? Yeah. And it's like, really? You're you're asking me that question. Right. It's like, come on. That's that you're you're forcing me into the situation of looking at potential failure instead of looking at the opportunity. But the only reason I, I realized going into that Olympics that I, I surveyed the field the guys. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my biggest competitor was a guy that really was weak in compulsory figures. Okay. And I figured that the guys that were really strong in figures were really weak in freestyle. And the guys that were really good in freestyle were weak in figures. So I figured if I came in the way the sport was structured, then if I came in top two in figures and top three in everything else, I couldn't she lose. Went. Yeah. I couldn't lose. I couldn't. There's you like made the it, math. You made it, it a game. The math of it didn't work. So I go out and I, I win figures and which was like, I beat this French guy who's by far the best figures guy, like of our generation. It was like, I, my coach um, said, let's stop in Paris on the way to Sarajevo. And I go, all right, what's in Paris? Jean-Christophe Simon. I go, oh yeah. So the day we arrived, we, we flew in all night, you know, that kind of thing. You arrive at seven 30 in the morning. He goes, go take a nap. We're going to train tonight. I go, okay. So I went back to the um, hotel. I slept, you know, for a few hours and then I got up and grabbed a bite to eat, went back and uh, my coach had picked the patch, the strip of ice right next to Jean-Christophe oh. Simone, the best figures guy in the world. And I'm doing my figures and I'm minding my own business. And I kind of like glance over at his patch and I'm like, I can beat him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm better than my, my figures are better than his. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. And so I go out for the freestyle thing that night. The long program is four and a half minutes of just like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm on jet lag, right? From Colorado to Paris now. And he, John, Don looks at me after that thing. And I'm kind of like, I, I'm floating because I realize my figures are pretty good. Yeah. I'm looking at him next to his. And he goes, long program run through. And I just look at him like, are you crazy? And he goes, I want to see it. And I hadn't missed in my long program in over a month. You know, so I go, see what happens. Because I still felt a little jet lag. Right. I did a clean long program run through. And Jean Christophe looked at looked at me and he was like, oh, 
Oh, man. Man. And his coach was so happy I was there because it ignited a fire oh, in him to I'm start sure. competing again. But when I did um, my figures in, in Sarajevo, I put them as close to Jean Christophe's as I possibly could. Okay. So that there'd be apples to apples. Yeah. And I, I won the first figure. There's nine judges. I won five judges in my favor, four in his. Okay. The second figure, seven in my favor, favor two to his. Okay. And the last figure was a loop, right? Where you do these really small circles with loops okay. inside the circles. And mine was almost one line. Like it was that good. Yeah. And I looked back on it. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I couldn't have dreamed that that went right. up. And I won nine zero. Oh, wow. And it was right from then Damn. on. It was like, I can't lose. That's awesome. I just can't. But, you know, again, it's just all that comes out of a lot of time and a lot of, of focus and energy mm -hmm. and planning. And it just takes time. And, and that's where I worry about you know, kind the of current generation, the current generation, it's just, and it's not their fault. Yeah. And none of it's their fault, mm -hmm. but it's their responsibility to work their way out of it. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I think is another big thing with our generation is kind of the victim mentality. And before we get a little bit into that, I want you to kind of go into, I've heard you say it a few times on a few different talks that what your dating profile would be <laughs> if you had to write one now. So go ahead and just ra uh, race yeah. through that real quick. It would be, um, like if I were putting myself out there on a dating profile, it would be short, bald, half neutered, chemo radiated, surgically repaired, retired male figure skater of unknown ethnic origin, seeks a beautiful, intelligent woman for long walks, laughter, and an interest in my hobby for collecting life-threatening illnesses. <laughs> That's just hysterical. And, and so the reason why I think, why I wanted you to say that is because I think that a victim mentality is something that is, that kind of plagues a lot of us. And a lot of those things, that basically everything that you say, especially in the beginning, is would be looked at as like a negative thing, right? As the something that's a negative, right? As you could you could see that to yourself and and kind of get into that victim mode. You've had, and you've had a lot of things like that happen in your life. You were, you were born with a condition where you weren't able to grow. Um, you've had testicular cancer. You had brain tumors. And you had your your mother uh, pass away at eighteen. Like, how do you? How do you stay away from that victim mentality and kind of use those things to your advantage? Well, it's always there. You know, it's and, and that's the thing. It's always there. What do you mean? It's always, you there? know, it's like in, in Avengers where, you know, it's like they, they look at uh, Bruce Banner and they go time to get angry. And he goes, that's just a thing. Okay. I'm always angry. Mm. Right. So that's with it. It's like that, that convicted me. It's like, how do you avoid a victim? And I, I live it like all I'm, it's always there. It's always a part of, I'm the, still the kid that came in last. I'm still the guy that's too short. Um, you know, I, I, years ago when I was growing up, um, there was this guy who was on TV. His name was Art Linkletter. And he was, he was when they get, you know, children, kids say the crazy, the craziest things. Bill Cosby did it later okay. on, but, but he was brilliant. And I ran into him on a shuttle bus, um, and a car rental things. I don't even know where I was. And I introduced myself because I, yeah, I grew up watching Art yeah. Linkletter and I, I said, what are you up to now? He goes, he's doing motivational speeches for elderly people and just to keep them, you know, in the game and all that stuff. And he goes, I introduced myself. He goes, I know who you are. You're that skater. And I go, oh my goodness. You know, I was just like, <laughs> I flushed, you know, cause I was just so, he goes, you've been through so much. I mean, you've gone through a childhood illness. Am I right? And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, cancer. And I go, yes, sir. And he goes, and balding publicly. It's like, and I thought, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> 
balding publicly. I, didn't know, I didn't know that was a disability, yeah. but okay, I'll roll with it. You right. know? But it's just like, it's always there. It's always kind of like you you live with your failures. You live with your shortcomings. You live with your, you know, be, and, and it's all just sort of that, you know, and, and again, I'm a person of faith. It's the enemy just whispering in your mm-hmm. ear, just telling you, you're not worthy. Yeah. You're not good enough. You're not, you're not what people are looking for. You're not, um, you're not good looking enough. You're not um, smart enough. You're not this enough. And it's always in there. It's always whispering in your ear. So and it's about so, taking your focus off of that. Well, you, you, you tend to believe it. And right. then you just sort of, Again, you just do what you can do, and that's putting in the time. You just put in the time. You just show up. You just do. You you show up with that intention of I have dreams, goals, and aspirations, and be bold enough and daring enough to actually say them out loud or write them down and say this is who I want to be mm. and work toward it. You know, those those things are always going to be in there. Yeah. They're always yeah. going to be in there. Right. You know, it's like sitting here talking to you. It's like, you're a young guy, you know, you get the whole thing going. And I'm like, you know, I'm 60 years old. What do I, you know, who's going to listen to me? Who's, you know, it's like, well, you're just an old guy. You know, I just talk about stuff, but it's, it's like, I've lived it. And I, I know that there's certain things in the world that do change. And there's certain things in the world that don't. Okay. And the one thing that doesn't change is there's a place for all of us out there that is ours and ours only. We have to create it mm. from what we have, what our our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual um, capabilities. We just have to like work it out. Yeah. And and it's like, well, what do I, what do I want to do? What brings me joy? What what am I naturally good at? Mm-hmm. You know, what what comes easy to me? And all those this. That all those things can ultimately reveal your purpose and reveal your place in the world. It just takes some time to kind of test gotcha. things out, you gotcha. know. And and so it 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 you know I'm, I I can fortunately I can speak from experience. But you know the thing is is it never really goes away because you know the things that I want to do are bold. You mm-hmm. know I want to be a part of um, the you know. F- I want to do my part in finding a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. That's a big problem. Yeah. It's every, well, who am I to do that? I don't know. I just lost my mom to cancer. I've survived cancer. I have a platform that I've built over a long period of time that I can leverage to bring people into the world that I'm creating. I guess, you know, um, all, all I can do, the worst thing that can happen is I, I fail. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to talk to, the, your mom's passing back when you were 18. Um, I think, I mean, obviously a lot of people go through that horrific experience. Um, and I have a personal friend who had a mom pass a couple of years ago, back when he was, uh, 21, 22 or whatever. And you've, you've kind of flipped it on its head to be, obviously it's one of the greatest challenges that you face, but you've, you know, turned it into a positive to the extent where you're, you know, doing all this stuff for cancer research and stuff. So I want you to, I want you to talk to somebody who is, 18 or a, a young kid who has lost their mom to, I mean, it could be cancer, it could be whatever, but I want you to talk to them about kind of what their next move is and how to, you know, grow greater because of it. Why? Well, I, I think it's, um, channel your, your love, channel your, um, relationship, you know, channel all of that for good. You know, I, I, 
I had a friend back in, in high school who, um, you know, he lost, uh, his mother. Um, and he, he went the other way. He hurt himself, you know, he was drinking a lot and he was doing a lot, you know, it's just like, okay, that's one way to go, you know, but where does that take you? And for, for my mom, all she ever wanted was for me to be successful in skating. So the least I could do is honor her in that. And and it's just like, what, if you, if, if you lose a parent early in life or in any time, really, it's like, what would they want for you? You know, what would they want for you? And, and, you know, some parents are better than others, you know, but what, how do you, how do you honor this life? Like I was adopted, but even for birth children, it's like, you've been given this life. This is yours to own and operate. How are you going to honor those people that brought you into the world? How are you going to honor those people that sacrificed for you? How are you going to honor those people that, um, are, you know, have been there for you? And my goodness, you know, the only thing to do is is to show up and do the work and and to to try to create a life that honors that commitment, mm. you know? So um, it comes in, in every shape and size mm. and that loss um comes in so many different identities. Yeah. You know, so just channeling the energy in the, in the kind of the best way that you know how, and the best way that you're, you know, given, or, you know, everybody has their different uniqueness. You, the, the thing is, you know, and again, the, the trap is, and I almost hear it in our conversation is you're living for them. It's not it at all. No. It's, um, you're honoring them by living your life authentically, genuinely with passion and interest and focus and, mm. And toward success. I think this is really important for people to realize because like we kind of mentioned on earlier, no two people are identical nope. or alike, but we all have our own uniqueness, our own purpose, our own talents and things like that. And we got to realize we got to use those and not con- kind of compare it to what other people are doing and use that in the best way. Find the energy that we have because of our loss to to fuel those things. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those things, you know, and again, I'll go back to failure. I'll go back you know, criticism, I'll go back to all those negative things that all of us absolutely despise. Nobody likes to be criticized and nobody likes, you know, because um, it's, it's unpleasant and failure is unpleasant. So um, what I've tried to do and finish first is to kind of um, repurpose failure and repurpose criticism. So failure, if you can find a way to look at it this way, is truly, honestly, and it's it's not disfiguring or scarring or horrific or anything else. I failed on the biggest stages possible. The whole idea of failure is it's feedback, it's information. If you can look at failure as purely information, now you have a ability to grow, an ability to learn, an ability to rise above it. Mm-hmm. If you look at Failure is something that is like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah, I'm never going to put myself in a position to fail again. Now you're, it, it's debilitated you, you know, you're, it's handicapped right. you in a way. So I, I look at failures information. I, I use the example of my, my youngest son, when he started playing hockey, they, you know, he was young. He never played hockey before and they got destroyed. I mean, he just absolutely got skated past mm-hmm. and, um, it took puck away from him every time he had it. And he just, I mean, it was just a, yeah. And he was crying in the car cause they just lost two games in a row. Um, and it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. And he goes, um, I hate this. I hate losing. I hate this so much. And I just said, Max, 
let's just break it down. I go, what happened today? Why did you lose? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, what, what could you have done better today? He goes, well, I need to escape faster. And I go, good. I go, that's good, buddy. We can work on that. And I go, what else? And he goes, I, I need to work on my stick handling. They took the puck away from me all the time. I go, wow. Okay, we can do that too. We can. And I go, what else? And he goes, and I just want to get that shot right up in the corner of the net. So he, he started dreaming a little bit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, and to where the goalie has no chance of getting it. I just, that's what I want to do. And I go, that's awesome, buddy. I go, that's a great exercise. That's phenomenal. Okay, here's my other question. He goes, uh-huh. I go, what would you have learned today if you won? And he just sort of looked at me and he goes, is that a trick question? Yeah. <laughs> no. Probably that I'm good enough. No, but that's, you don't learn anything. From yeah. Well, anything. that's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Because it almost can not, it can like not make you, it can take your motivation down. Yeah. If you, if you just. Well, it, it definitely confirms that you're, you're everything you need to be right now. Yeah. So far. And I, I just think failure is way more important than that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a really a great way of just. Um, but it takes that breakdown. It, you can't just kind of lose and be like, okay, I lost. Awesome. Like now I've, now I'm going to learn something from it. You actually have to take the time to kind of like analyze it. Yeah. But I mean, that's what a smart person well, would do. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the other part is failure. It's like failure is something that comes at you. It's like coming at you from, and now with social media, especially it's like, who hasn't been hated on by social media? Right. And I, you know, and I, and I, I just look at, it, I go, okay, here's, here's the deal with fail with, with criticism. Criticism comes in two forms. One is opinion. And the other is fact. Mm-hmm. Okay, whether it's true or false. So if it's opinion, who are they to offer their opinions, right? Yeah. Okay, but if it's purely just their opinion, then you just delete it immediately because who cares? Why, why, why would I listen to that person? Why would I allow that person to bring me down? And then the other part of it is, well, well, I mean, is what I just heard, is it actual fact? Mm-hmm. Whoa, well, if it's fact, now we've got something to work with. Yeah, yeah, seriously. No, it's like, okay, thank you. That was a gift. Mm -hmm. Your criticism now exposes something in me that I need to work on. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. But it's not one of these things where you get criticized and it's like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't put myself out there. It's like, no, you break it down. Yeah. Or you can't let it like you get at you personally. Like you have to, you can't let somebody else's criticism be like, Oh, like I'm just mad at that person that yeah. shouldn't criticize now me. Now you're debilitated. Right. Yeah. right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, I, so I, I, you know, I, I look at it in a lot of ways. Like I had a, a judge years ago when I first started showing signs of life, you know, that I was <laughs> not going to be this habitual loser. And she said, you know, it's really nice that it, Scott is doing better. However, I just think you, you should really accept the fact that he's too short to be competitive internationally. Mm. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, who? what in the world? Like I'm too short to be competitive internationally. And a lot of the skaters at that time were much taller than I was, but it was like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. And years later I realized, you know, I just worked past it. You know, we, I always wore one solid color. So I'd never be broken at the waist to make me look smaller, <laughs> but I, you know, I just, and I extended more to make, you know, give that illusion of, you know, length and size. And I did all that to create illusion of size. But then years later I thought about it and I was like, Okay, who won the Olympic gold medal from the United States before I did? David Jenkins. How tall is he? My height. Oh my gosh. How could you say that then? Just the opinion is just so far fetched. But I mean, you can't even look at But when you're looking at a person of authority, of course you're going to take that as, and you're going to address it, right? But at the same time, it's like, 
No, you can't. You you just can't do that because so many people are going to come after you or are going to try to bring you down or they're going to just try to diminish you a little bit so they feel stronger, right? So it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the person that's coming after you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you just look at it. And if it's on social media, okay, you you can delete it or you can block them. Yeah. Because if it's that irresponsible and if it's that mean spirited and if it's that hateful, especially if it's somebody you've never met, Mm -hmm. block them. They they don't need to be in your world. No doubt. But you know, here we go back to that whole, where we are with um, social media and instant gratification and screens and all that stuff. It's like, you know, honestly, if if you really want to do something wonderful in your life, you're, always hungry to learn. You're always, um, you know, you're always making the time to be successful instead of being pulled off your path constantly. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's like the, you know, the, the drummer, you know, when I was writing finish first, um, the writer that was helping me put it together, she was talking about her friend who wants to be a drummer in Nashville, the most competitive music market in the world. And what he does is he works a normal job nine to five. And then from six to 10, Puts himself in a uh, storage space. Storage space with his drums. Yeah. And he practices four hours a day, just every day, that's five awesome. days a week. And then on the weekend, he rests and he does his thing with his mm-hmm. friends. But th- that's commitment. Mm-hmm. And the only way you're gonna ever going to do anything, unless you're absolutely massively gifted, yeah. is, I mean, even um, Emma Day has had to put the time in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah. So no matter who you are, you've got to put the time in and you've got to, you know work through some things and you've got to be willing to fail and you've got to learn from those failures and you've got to be willing to um, process criticism mm-hmm. positively or effectively. And then it just comes down to committing to the long haul and being really okay with whatever the next thing that presents itself. It's like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's my, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm, that's my plan and I'm going to be doing things. And then you get into school and you realize that I may not really like this doctor thing, <laughs> but man, I can take in information like nobody's business. Huh? Well, how can I channel that? You know, right. hundred percent. I can be a lawyer. I can go into business. I could be an entrepreneur. I can, there's a million things you can be, mm-hmm. but just because your whole plan has always been, I'm going to do this. And then you get in there and you go, well, Something else just came up that I may be more suited for. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not changing horses midstream as much as it's just sort of taking one thing to its end and then beginning another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of flexible yeah. to a certain extent. But I mean, the whole idea of, you know, again, getting back to finish first and winning is it's just about being better than you've ever been. It's just about understanding that wins come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. At Olympics in 1980, I thought if I came in eighth, I'd prove myself. That's right. I knew that eighth was a really good place for me to end up looking at the rest of the competition. And I came in fifth. So for me, that was beyond finishing first. Yeah. That was three places higher than first. And in that, it was a victory. Mm-hmm. And that victory changed the course of the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. and the next. So winning does change everything. But it, winning is showing up. Winning is showing up with intention. Winning is committing to the long haul. Winning is built on a lot of victories, small victories. And, and that's it. It's, it's being present, being repetitious, being on time, being, resp- you know, being true to yourself mm-hmm. and being true to your calling. 
Nothing replaces that. Yeah, I love this stuff, and I could we could go on and on about it, but I want to make sure I get you out of here and not too terribly long. So I got before I ask the last question, I do want to uh, talk about your upcoming event. It's on November Sunday, November eighteenth at five o'clock. Um, Scott Hamilton and friends. You got Christy Yamaguchi and Cheryl Crow as your co-hosts, right? Um, they got Florida George Line, Brothers Osborne, Steve Cropper, and a whole host of more uh, musicians and everything, and uh, the world's best Olympic. World and national champions are going to skate on the ice uh, to the music, I guess, correct? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, super um, great event. So go ahead and kind of give your quick pitch about the event and, and everything like that. I know it's a great cause, obviously. Well, most people, especially in this area, have only seen skating on television. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It's good. It's great. It's exciting. And it's wonderful. But to see it live. A whole different experience. At that level. Holy cow. At that level, to see it live is is spectacular and then when you have um their performances um you know to live music then there's that sensory thing of you can feel the music and and you see it being performed by you know songs that you've known forever being performed by the artists that that created them and then you see the skaters in front of them that are all olympic and world champions um just skating their hearts out Mm -hmm. And it truly is an experience like no other. And it's really family friendly and it's, yeah. it's, it's good for everyone that wants to come, but ultimately it's for a great cause. We're trying to raise money and awareness for the CARES Foundation that funds, um, you know, the, the China treatment options, you know, it, it's funding research towards treatment options that spare people going through cancer harm. It's it's about immunotherapy, training our immune systems how to fight the cancer itself and targeted therapies that really just go after the cancer and leave the body alone. Yeah. It's anything that treats the cancer and spares the patient harm. And so we're just, um, we're aligning with other great organizations and we're all trying to lift, you know, all ships rise to the tide. Yeah. We're trying to create a tide. And so um, the money, you know, the proceeds from that event go towards um, My Cares Foundation that funds uh, research that treats the cancer and spares the body that's awesome that's great and i think i because me i haven't really seen skating live either i think that'd be the super cool event it's insane Um, yeah oh i bet it's like i'm a i used to do it now now i'm a fan yeah you could see i could hear the energy just come from you like it's insane it's awesome and then you know to put live music on top of it it's like a whole different it doesn't get any better than that yeah that's awesome well before i last ask what last question um, i want to acknowledge you because i think that i think a lot of people get set down in there and the negative things that happen to them. I think that a lot of people have the biggest challenges in their life, keep them down for an extended period of time, but you've kind of shown time and time again that you use these greatest challenges and, and make them your greatest opportunities and make them your greatest superpowers in life. And I think that's something that's so powerful and that just everybody kind of needs to could learn from and apply it to whatever challenges that they're going through. And, it, you, know, it, you know, there's a song that um, Garth Brooks uh, sang years ago called Unanswered Prayers. And a lot of people feel like if they go after something and they fail and it doesn't work out the way they thought it would, that, 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 that it's over, it's done. Well, maybe that was the best thing that could happen because maybe that's not what you were supposed to be doing in the yeah. first place. No, <laughs> I know? think that's a great way to look so, at it. You, you, know, you have so, to always look for the positive. You know, and, and in that song, it just, he goes, I just, yeah, I thank God for my, my unanswered prayers. If I would have married that girl instead of the girl that I did marry, if I would have gone into that job instead of the job that I ended up with, if I would have uh, done well in that event instead of, you know, coming, Mm -hmm. how would my life look different? And it's like, 
it's collecting those experiences and learning from them and growing beyond them than it is to allow them to smother you yeah. and defeat you. So if, you know, if you've got this plan on being this big blogger, you know, and it's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and, and whatever, if your audience, you know, kind of tops out and starts, it's like, okay, right. I'm, uh, what can I do why? with all those experiences and take it to the next level? Yeah, and, you know, it's, it may be journalism. It may be uh, sports television. It may be a million different things. You don't know. But right now you're building this platform mm-hmm. and you're working really hard doing it. And only good can come from that. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty well, I appreciate that. So the last question I always ask everybody is kind of as we talked a little bit before the interview, my passion has become the best version of myself. And I think that it's a constant journey. I don't know if we're ever at that point. I think if you think you're at that point, then you're in a bad spot. Well, it's a moving target. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, you always want to be better uh, today than you were yesterday and everything like that. But as we kind of talked about earlier, everybody is different and that journey looks a little bit different for everybody else. So what I want to ask you is for you personally, if you could work on three things or do three things to become the best version of yourself or work on towards becoming the best version of yourself. What are those three things that you could do or three things that you could work on? Um, I, you know, one thing that I really struggle with is, uh, you know, just carving out enough time now because I, I have so many different responsibilities to be successful in every single one of them at the highest level. So I've got the CARES Foundation, which is run by Carrie Morgan, who does a spectacular job. I've got a phenomenal small staff. We don't we're not expensive to run. We got to raise a lot of money, but yeah. you know, to make sure that we're doing the work we do. But you know, it's it's being meticulously and phenomenally run. I'd love to be able to spend more time day to day doing that, you know. But I've got my role in all of that, and I stay in my lane. Um, same with the skating academy. I'd love to be there every day. I'd love to, you know. For me, it's all about time management and being uh, a little bit more. Um, is it being able to delegate or no, the delegation has gone really well. It's just, I feel like I'm missing something because I've got these responsibilities. I've delegated the main responsibilities effectively in order to make them happen where I can do my role. I just don't feel like I'm get, I'm able to enjoy that mm. as much as I'd really love to, because, um, you know, again, it's just time. And I've got four kids who desperately need my attention and my family, my wife needs my, my, my leadership and everything else. It's just, there's only so much time in a day. And I really wish that I could, um, if I could change one thing, it would be to be able to be, um, you know, four people, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, or at least, ex- you know, be able to be more patient with accepting um, that this is my role and I don't need to wish for anything more. And I'm just going to keep working on um, playing my role and being the best I can be for my kids while they're home before they launch and um, to be a good husband. You know, so life is different now. It's not about me anymore. It's pretty much about everybody else. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Well, those are great things. I appreciate you coming in, Scott. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed that replay with Scott. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. Be sure to rate it and review it on the iTunes and Apple Podcast app. That's going to be the best way that you can support the show. And be sure that these amazing stories and lessons get in front of more people. And this can fire more people up for the upcoming Olympic Games and we can get some good energy behind Team USA. Remember, if you fall short of achieving something, if you fail, if you lose a game or you don't get a promotion or you run a slower mile than you wanted or if you have a breakup, don't just leave it in the past and forget about it. 
Use it as a learning tool and a learning opportunity and be curious as to what you can do differently next time. And remember that in order to experience sustained success, you must have skin in the game. You must put in the time and stay committed to something for the long haul. So if you're not where you wanna be right now, you're not in the right job, not making a lot of money, you're not very fit, you're not in the right relationship, just keep acting intentionally, consistently over time. Keep putting skin in the game the right way and you'll get to where you want to be. That's the main message from Scott today on how both myself and you can get closer and closer to your best you.